want to take less than 60 seconds to tell you how you can support the podcast if you feel that the podcast is worth supporting. Step number one is you can go to 1-800-CONTACTS, assuming you have contacts that you're in need of, and give them a shot. 1-800-CONTACTS, they're a community sponsor, and we couldn't do this without them. Way number two that you can support the podcast is you can go to Lingo Eyewear, www.liingo, eyewear.com, and use code LIGHTTHEFIGHT for $30 off your order. I actually just ordered my very first pair of sunglasses, of eyeglasses. I don't know why I said sunglasses. And I'm excited because they're sending me a few different pairs, and I get to pick which ones I want and which one I like and keep it and send the other ones back. So lingoeyewear.com and make sure you use the code light the fight. The third way you could visit us at Patreon and that is www.patreon.com backslash light the fight. And what that is, is just a way to get some extra bonus contact content with us, connect with us on a different level. And we take a lot of deeper dives on podcasts. We're doing educational tutorials. So we got a lot of stuff that we're building over there. Come on all over. A lot of people have come over. It's as easy as five bucks a month. So that's patreon.com backslash light the fight. Okay, enough of that. Let's get to the good stuff now. Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Welcome to Light the Fight. You just got me here today, and actually Brandon's here with me. So, you know, if he chimes in, you'll you'll know that I'm not just the lone person in the room talking to the camera, or maybe if you're just listening to me as you're driving. Um, David is sick. And, you know, it's not very often that he actually really calls in sick. I mean, he comes here and he complains about being sick a lot, but... It's not very often that he actually calls in sick. And so, you know, I'm here backing him up. And the the reality is I'm just glad that it's not worse because we can all remember what happened last year and he is not in the same situation that he was last year. So, you guys, if you have a prayer, um, if you're the, the prayer-saying kind of people, um, any prayers for David are, are appreciated uh, because we need him back. Right. Um, I wanted to take a minute, though, and we, you know, we wanted I didn't want to let this week skip because when we're recording this, actually, it is suicide prevention week as we're kind of coming up on suicide prevention day inside, you know, suicide prevention month. So traditionally everywhere, International Suicide Prevention Month is September. And then I don't know kind of who picks what the week is or what the actual day is. But where I live, um, there's quite a bit of a step up in like so in suicide prevention stuff. Now, if you guys have been around for a while, which you probably have, and you've been a listener, then you know that, that David and, and I totally drink the Kool-Aid here 
also kind of feels like, you know, you come at, when you come at people with the big scary words like suicide prevention, it's hard to get people involved. And sometimes it makes, it's, it's maybe a little bit alarming or stigmatized. And so people kind of want to uh, back up. But I will say this, it is Suicide Prevention Month and Suicide Prevention Week. And if there's ever a time that we can say suicide prevention or get on that bandwagon, you know, it's this week. And interestingly enough, um, like I said, there's a lot going on in my community around suicide prevention. And I have to tell you guys that it has made a really, I don't know, how, how do I explain it? In the past, and I can remember right after Corey passed away, very first suicide prevention walk that I, that I went and participated in, um, which is usually down at Liberty Park, you know, with the, the big suicide walk, right? And right after Corey died, we went and we set up a booth and I wanted to make grilled cheese sandwiches. And I can just remember showing up there super early and I remember the grass being wet and like walking around in my new skate highs that I was kind of wearing to rep for Corey and thinking, you know, these skate highs are pretty smart because my, my toes are not wet. And if I had been wearing, you know, just regular shoes, then my feet would have been freezing. And <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. That's the thing that I remember about um, my first suicide walk. Then the second year, um, had a little bit more time and a little bit more thought. And I remember we did, I had just come out in my crafting business with this chalk paint. And we came up with this idea that, that survivors or that family members could come and get the stencils and get the chalk paint and paint their family member's name or initials or something like that down. And um, we painted on just a huge amount of sidewalk and I can remember when I got there early and I was kind of doing my piece early. I remember a woman walking up to me and she was like a, a homeless person that was there at Liberty Park. And I remember her coming up to me and looking at me straight in the eye and saying, you can't do anything to prevent suicide. If someone wants to die, They'll die. There's nothing you can do to prevent it. And I'll never forget what that lady looked like. I'll never forget the way she made me feel. And I was already like, you know, just a little over a year out, very uncomfortable, trying to hold myself together, trying to distract myself with crafts like I always do. And I really thought to myself that maybe I believed her. Even though I was there and I was walking and I was doing all the things. Well, you know, as things went on and if, if you're in Utah and, you know, it kind of seems like Harriman, which is where I live, got 
pretty hot on quite a few suicides in our area. This was probably around four years ago, I would say, three, four years ago, four years ago. And that's kind of when Dave and I started talking about the podcast. Things were really rough um, right around us. And, you know, I really felt like the things that David had been teaching me were really important. Well, back that time, four years ago, when we did our very first like community, like let's come together and let's talk about social help. Let's talk about don't freak out. Let's talk about some of these things. Nothing was going on in our community. Um, the next year there was like one other thing that I remember and I was actually asked to speak at it. There's kind of a resource fair and then like a couple schools were trying to do like some emotional resiliency anti-anxiety types of classes that I would kind of show up to and they would and, and they'd have tables set up and people could come and kind of have some resources. And I'm not sure what happened in my community this year. But it was something pretty amazing. And so I want to talk about that. Um, so I'm, I guess... It, I started like hearing from a few different people that and and you may or may not be familiar with it but it but September 11th this year is the National Day of Service National Service Day or something like that that I don't know if that's the actual name of it National Service Day and you know there's a bunch of people um in community in religion that are they're joining together on that day to do service projects all over the world, right? Is there is there an actual name? Isn't that what it's September called? September 11th is Patriot Day and a National Day of Service and Remembrance. Okay, so there you go. So what had happened is that they call it the Southwest Valley. So if you live in Utah, the Southwest Valley is considered Bluffdale, Harriman, and Riverton. And these are three cities that have been hit pretty hard with Suicide. Now, that's not to say that it's the only cities. Like, suicide has been, and we talk about this a lot, a, a fifth leading cause of death right now in um, Utah. And, I mean, obviously, teenage suicide in Utah, we know, has been a, a significant problem. And so what happened was these city leaders... And planners got together and decided they wanted to do like this tri-city south, what do they call it, southwest valley um, conglomeration. And they went and got all of the churches, all of the church leaders, all of the community boards. And they came together and said, you know what, let's do something around this National Day of Service, Suicide Prevention Week. Let's go. Let's go big. And so... Um, I was hearing people kind of contact me and ask me, like, if I had ideas for service and um, invite us to participate. And, you know, I mean, let me just tell you what happened. I had a wedding. And I had just, I just didn't have bandwidth to kind of make make this work. 
I don't know why this summer just had so much more, but it felt so overwhelming to me, people who were reaching out to me about Suicide Prevention Week. And um, so I hadn't really gotten on board, to tell you the truth, which I'm a little ashamed of. But also, like, it kind of goes back to some of my feelings. Like, Suicide Prevention Week brings up a lot of feelings for me, right? So anyway... I find out that Alex Boyer, who is who lives out here kind of in our area and is a suicide prevention guy, right? If you're not familiar with Alex Boyer, look him up. He's hilarious. He's from England, um, but African ancestry. And so he mixes this very, like, British, African-American guy that just comes and he's just got like crazy amounts of energy and amazingly big bold ideas right he's been on like America's Got Talent and he's always got something up his sleeve anyway um I found out that he was going to be singing he's going to put on a free concert suicide prevention concert and you know again I'm thinking okay that sounds great so so they're having food trucks. They wanted it to be for the youth, right? And it was going to be right in Harriman Town Center. And um, so I thought, you know, that sounded cool. They'd really put it out there so it was on the calendar for my kids. They were going as a church group. All the youth were going. Um, well, as luck would have it, about a week ago, I was at a party that I really didn't even want to. It was an influencer party. It's not my favorite thing to do, but it was a really good friend of mine, Shari, who owns Persnickety Prints, who is a photo printer. She's got a new app, so shout out to Persnickety Box, which is a subscription for, like, you pick your photos and then it sends them to you automatically, right? So she's doing kind of this event of women in business, and I go to it to support her, and Alex is performing, and as I'm, like, kind of leaving, I see Alex. We kind of go back because he asked me to be in a video. Uh, this is a long story now. Hang it with me. He asked me to be in this video. Um, it was three years ago. It was for Suicide Prevention Week three years ago. And um, I went out. And I was in this video, and we talked about it here. You might have heard me talk about it. The song is called Bend Not Break. So he grabs me, and he goes, Heidi, I was going to call you. I can't believe you're here right now. You've been on my mind. I'm doing a concert in Harriman next week, and I want you to come, and I want you to come up on stage, and I want you to talk to the youth. And, and we're going to, the band is going to play behind you, and you're just going to talk, and it's just going to be so awesome. You're just going to do like, the spoken word and it's going to be music and it's going to be your voice and and he's like I mean I could just tell you just saw it in his head and I just did not but it's really hard to say no to Alex he's super intense and big and he had on just this pretty spectacular sequin jacket and I had on um, a 70s disco wig and so I was having a hard time saying no but even while I was telling him, yeah, sure, I'll come up on stage while you're doing a concert and talk with your band playing music behind me, 
I kind of was like, I'm actually not going to do that. But I didn't want to tell him to his face that I wouldn't do it. So it was just kind of this, like, I was thinking in my head, no way am I going to do that. But you don't say no to Alex. And so I told him yes. And I left there thinking, you know, I bet he didn't really mean that. I bet you that he was just being nice and he was making conversation with me and he knows I live in Harriman and that suicide is important to me, you know, suicide for instance is important to me. And so he was probably just being nice, right? And so I kind of um, decided then and there that I wasn't going to do it. But I also wasn't going to call him and tell him because I also told myself he wasn't serious. But then each night... It was kind of gnawing at me, like, what are you going to say? And I didn't know. And that was also part of my problem. Is like, he told me that I could have seven minutes of standing on a stage, on a rock concert stage, and having his band play behind me while I spoke to the youth that were coming to a suicide prevention concert. Like, you guys, my anxiety was like <laughs> off the charts. What what was I going to say? How awkward was that? How was I going to balance the way I feel about suicide prevention with music playing behind? I just didn't know. I couldn't see it. I couldn't feel it. I didn't know. So I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't mention it on my social media. I did promote the concert. Um, because that was the other thing I thought. Maybe he just wants me to, like, talk about it on my social media so people will, like, get the word out. And so I was telling myself all these things, like, Alex was just being nice. He probably just wanted me to use my platform. I'll go ahead and promote it. He probably doesn't really need me. Um, well, so the day of the concert comes which happens to be yesterday from when i'm film when i'm recording this and i wake up in the morning and my kids are all planning on going to the concert and a couple of my friends are planning on going to the concert and one of my friends i had actually told her what the alex had asked me and she was like oh yeah you're doing that tonight right you're speaking at the concert and this was about 9 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm not probably going to do that. I haven't heard from Alex. I don't think that was actually a thing. And she was like, well, yeah, it was. And I just told myself I wasn't going to go. I was, it was stressing me out way too much. So I had gone to the gym. I'd exercised. And so about 11 o'clock, I was getting into the shower. Got into the shower and boom, in a split second, the information I was supposed to share at the concert came into my mind. Not even like typed out in my mind. It's weird because it actually like brain dumped, like uploaded. Like I knew exactly what I was supposed to say in its entirety in one second. I don't know how it's possible. But it was so clear to me. And it wasn't something that I've never thought of or never heard before. It was just exactly the most perfect thing for me to talk about in that moment where I couldn't even 
I didn't even know. Like, I often think to myself when people write me a DM or whatever and they say, you know, we've had this suicide or this friend, this friend of mine or somebody's passed away from suicide. What do I say to them? What do I do? Or I have a child who's struggling. What do I say? And I don't have like this, here is the seven-minute sermon, you know? The minute I got that, we'll call it a download. That's what I usually call it when I get these ideas that I know are not mine. Um, I knew exactly that I needed to go and what I needed to do. And I was reluctant still. And nervous. So I'm playing it really cool. I still haven't told anybody that I'm going to get on stage. Even my husband. Capri and Connor were coming to the concert because they were going to the youth group. But I didn't even really tell Eric. I think that I was having some denial issues. It's still at the same time. So went to the concert. sat down out in the crowd just like everybody else. And then I'm sitting there thinking, I have no idea when Alex wants me to come on. I don't know how I'm supposed to get up on stage. Is he just going to call me out of the audience? You know, so I finally, like, get up the nerve. I go up there. I talk to security. They give me a screenshot on my phone of of the playlist, of the set list, and when I'm coming on. And so it was on his set list. He was expecting me to come. And in fact, he did text me um, in the afternoon to make sure I was still coming. And so we pull up in the center of Harriman, and I, I'd actually never realized how big this park is. And they do have a stage. And the first thing I realize is, oh, my gosh, there are a lot of people here. People are parking like a mile away. Um, cars are just lining everywhere. There's police helping with crowd control. There are a lot of people coming in here. And I was just kind of like, oh, my gosh. I, I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't know how it was really being advertised or how people were getting the word out. Um, man, the concert started. And people started to get super hyped. And by like the fifth song, it was like a super, super hype song. And Alex actually said, where are dance? Where are my dancers? Come up to the front of the stage and come dance with me. And literally the kids just came from all around the park and just poured up to the front of this concert. And Alex got down off the stage and is like dancing with the kids. And he is hyping them up. And all I could do was think to myself, I don't know how I'm going to go up there and take this energy and drop this huge seven-minute bomb. You know, like... Like, how am I going to make this work? And I just I couldn't see it. I didn't have a vision for it at all. But I definitely knew what I was supposed to say. And in fact, I typed it up. 
And I was studying it while the concert was going on and just kind of saying these silent prayers like, I can't take my phone up there. I'll have to wear my glasses. I can't read it. I got to be able to remember and I don't want to leave something out. And anyway, it was time for me to go up there and literally he's got like all of these teenage kids around the stage and they're like moshing and jumping and the energy was really, really high, and they were just feeding off of each other. And, I mean, I've heard a lot of numbers. I think that there was p- over 6,000 people there in the park, which which is pretty significant for this area, for suicide prevention, for, <laughs> for all of it, right? And, um, and Alex gives me an introduction and I come on and I'm feeling super uncomfortable and I look out at these kids and they start they're like chanting my name and they're cheering for me and they're yelling speech speech I just wasn't expecting the energy you know I wasn't expecting to feel so much support and so much encouragement from these kids and the only thing my mo- my only regret is that I didn't take my phone up is because I, w- I would have loved to take a picture so that you could see what I saw because not only was it like super scary and nervousy but what I saw is the thing that I've never seen in the last six years since Corey passed away which is this huge amount of community support coming together to talk about suicide prevention. That every person there knew they were coming because they were going to rally around hope and suicide prevention and not shy away from it. And that was what I said. I said, you guys, this has never, I've never felt this since Corey passed away. And this is the difference. And I, and what I said was, you know, in the past, we haven't really known exactly what to say or exactly what to do. And that's still the case. But we're doing it anyway. You know, we refuse. Last night, what we saw at that concert was that people refused to pretend like it wasn't there refused to be afraid of the conversation, but instead they came to support it and to open themselves up to this really difficult, painful subject. Um, and I did put like all of my, my friend, I have a friend who did record my little, Seven minutes, 33, seven minutes and 33 seconds that I was on stage. Um, so very true to, the, to what I was told. So I was really proud of myself because as you guys know, I can really talk. So I did put it on my stories and I'm going to put in my highlights. So if you want to see um, how it actually went down, you can go look at it on my stories. But I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you what I actually typed into my notes Um, after I got out of the shower and I didn't say this word for word 
but I still think that the message got out. And this is what I was, I was given to talk about. Has anyone, have any of you ever been lied to? You know, you're in the dark, you get deceived. And isn't it funny how sometimes lies are actually easier to believe than the truth? So we believe. Sometimes we even fall for really lame lies because somehow maybe we even want that version to be true. Lies come in all shapes and sizes. Some are little and some are giant. Some are kind of innocent and some are really horribly awful. People really have tried to learn how to detect lies. They'll tell you, you can tell someone's lying by their eye contact or maybe their body language. And as you know, there's machines that can detect whether someone is telling the truth or not. Well, tonight I'm here to expose two of the biggest lies that have ever been told. These lies are so mean, so powerful, and sometimes... Sometimes they're easy to believe, especially when we're down, lonely, hurting, when we feel like we've failed, or maybe we've made a bad move. Whenever these lies, and remember, it's not if, it's when. When these lies pop into your head, you can know with 100% certainty that they are absolutely false. The first big, huge, ridiculous lie is, I don't matter. And the second equally false and damaging lie is, no one cares about me. I know, I know that all of us have heard those lies in our heads lots and lots of times. And sometimes they come with so much evidence, whether it's like I mentioned, because we're sad or we're down or we're lonely or we've made bad choices or somebody maybe has even told us. Somebody maybe we respect or love or want them to like us. Maybe they've told us that. Or maybe actions of other people's have, you know, even testified of those lies for us and, and we believe them. And the, the harsh, harsh reality is that it is so much easier to believe that, we're, that we suck and that we're stupid and awful and worthless than the opposite. It is so much harder to believe that we are fantastic and that we are awesome and that we have the gifts that the world needs and that we're the answer to problems that need to be solved. Those... Those truths, which it is true, they're hard to believe sometimes. 
when we don't feel like we're showing up as our best self. I knew that I wanted to establish somehow that those thoughts that are readily present in our minds, each one of us, not just the youth. In fact, if there's anything that I heard over and over and over in my DMs today was that that message isn't something that only the youth need to hear. That people of all ages, of all genders, of, of all races, of all religions, of all walks of life need to hear that message. Nobody's exempt from being told those two lies. And I said to those kids, now that you know that those are lies, every time you feel that, every time those creep into your mind, you can know with 100% certainty that they're lies and you have to force it out. And maybe that's affirmations. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's distracting yourself. Whatever it is, the truth is that you do matter and that you are loved infinitely. Wherever you are listening from, whatever circle of influence you have, be it your own family, your children, your spouse, be it your work, your peers, your friends, your sisters, your brothers, your class that you teach, the team that you coach. Will you do me a favor and amplify that message. Wherever you are, whenever you hear this, have a conversation with somebody in which you remind them that there, there are two lies that are absolutely false. And share with them the truth. And then I want you to know that as a parent, as a coach, as a friend, as a sister, a brother, as, as a supporter, as, as the role that you play in your life, in and among all the lives that you touch, the two truths that are opposite of those two lies can never be spoken enough. In, in actual verbal or in action or in any way, shape, or form, the people that you know and love need to be reminded often that they matter to you and that you love them no matter what. And that's what you can do day in and day out. Look at people in the eyes and tell them the truth. 
because it's easy to forget. And if you yourself are struggling with those thoughts, and I'm not even going to say if, I'm going to say when you struggle with those thoughts, I want to remind you that, that they're lies. And you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I do matter. And I know that I can make a difference and I know that people love me. And you can force those thoughts right on out of your head because they're lies. You guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up for the people in your life, for yourself. And on this suicide prevention month or any day of any year, thank you for helping us survive the fight.